Welcome to another inspirational podcast from Abundant Life Church, where we believe that God is a good God. He loves you and he wants to bless you. Now join us as we dive into today's message. Are you excited that you came today? I'm excited again that you came today. It's a good day. Tell somebody next to you it's a good day to be at church. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm particularly excited. Last weekend I had the opportunity to be up with some really good friends, really it's family, but uh, uh, Pastor Allen and Jenny Meshagan in Full Turn Church. Uh, we were with them last, uh, last week on Sunday and just a phenomenal time. God's doing some incredible things at Full Turn Church and I can't help but to celebrate uh, what, what God's doing. They're in, they're in the process right now of, of building uh, uh, their own building. They've been renting in... Uh, Wow, they're 12 years they're going to be celebrating, 12 years of their church, uh, of what God's been doing in full turn. Uh, and they've been renting all these years, but the Lord purposed on their heart to build, to expand. And so they're doing just that. So we had the opportunity to encourage and speak in that direction. Uh, and so we had some phenomenal services last Sunday. But it's good to be back home. I love home. There's no place like home, right? Isn't that what the saying goes? There's no place like home. Um, but, but I believe even what the Lord did there and what the Lord was doing here last week, come on now, do we not have an opportunity to witness a move of God as people came forward and gave their life to Christ last Sunday in this house when we heard that, that, that message on grace? I've loved these last three weeks, and as I got to listen to even to that message, it moved my heart, and, uh, and, and I just love what God's doing in this house. Why in this house? Because you are the house. You are the church. And so when we are able to come together and be, and, and be able to experience the goodness of God together, it's a time of celebration. We're celebrating you this year. We're celebrating what God's doing. And so uh, last Sunday was just absolutely an incredible day. But here we are this Sunday morning. And I'm excited. I got a word for you today that the Lord has put on my heart. It's a simple word, but it's a powerful word. A simple word, but a powerful word. And I want to get into this thought uh, with you this morning. So go ahead and turn with me to the book of Luke. We're going to dive into chapter 5, very familiar passage here. And I always love when the Lord brings back uh, attention or draws attention back to familiar passages. And uh, the, the, the Lord really arrested my heart with this passage this morning, uh, really kind of coming off of the last three weeks that we've been teaching on grace. And I'm going to preface first before I read uh, Luke chapter 5, and, and we're, and we're going to start really in verse 2 uh, as you're turning there this morning. And uh, I, I want to preface this, is that there was, there was a, a, a word that was mentioned within last week's message on grace. How many of you were with us throughout the last three weeks of, of grace? It was awesome, wasn't it? I can't help but to highly encourage you to go back into that, those last three weeks. Don't let it just be, that was a good sermon. Let it be a word for your heart that I know will transform your life. And so this line that was dropped last week was simply this. Bishop said this last week as he said, are you a learner of your gifts? Are you a learner? In other words, are you still a student of the gifts or the gift that God has given you? Are you a student of what God has assigned for your life? Because if you've mastered the one thing that you have or the several things that you have, then there's no more room to grow. 
And I believe when it comes to us, especially as believers, that we should continually be growing in our faith. We should continually be growing in grace. We should continually be growing in our purpose and the assignment and the call that God has for our life. And so I want to start off by simply asking you the question, are you still a learner or a student of the gift that God has given you? And so with that in mind, I want to jump into this passage this morning as we begin to kind of put our attention a little bit on that thought today. And the Bible says this in the book of Luke chapter 5, and, 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 and I'm actually reading out of the NIV version uh, this morning. I made a, a quick adjustment, um, but I'm reading out of the book of Luke chapter 5, NIV version, uh, and, and, and it says this, very familiar passage, starting in verse 2. He saw at the water's edge two boats, left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and he asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything but because you say so I will let down the nets and verse 6 says this when they had done so they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break do me a favor I want to go back to verse Verse 5 real quick, and this is where we're going to get, 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 get our thought for the day. Verse 5 says this, Simon, Simon answered and said this, Master, we've worked hard. Master, we've worked hard. Master, we've worked hard. Let me ask you, do we have any hardworking people that's in the, in the room this morning? Do you have any hardworking people that's in the space today? Any hardworking people that it's not just about working in the moment, but it's also about working for the moment? Anybody that wakes up in the morning when your alarm goes off and you're immediately, when your feet hit the ground, you're at work? I know this, my feet have, have, been, have, have needed to be readily available to go to work because I got about a 30-inch a tall little girl that runs into my room at, at ungodly times in the morning now, waking me up, and it's time to go to work. It's time to make some toast. It's time to scramble some eggs. It's time to make some oatmeal. Come on, anybody, first thing in the morning you're going to work, you're getting that email of something that you needed to do that you didn't know you needed to do, but you're getting ready to go in for the job of the day and you had something that came in line, you got to go to work. Anybody having to work through traffic because all of a sudden, you know, you, you go into the day, you budgeted enough time, but now all of a sudden the road shut down to one lane and you're fighting and working to get through traffic. Anybody ever get on the job and you didn't realize how much work needed to be done and you've got lists and things that are piling up. Anybody that ever had to go to work? And Peter says to Jesus, Master, we've worked all night. 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 Can I Speak to you just from a simple title line this morning, work it, work it, work it. Tell somebody, work it, 
Work it. See, I believe this is that Romans chapter 11 verse 29 says this. It says that the gifts and the call of God are without repentance. Another translation in New Living says the gift and the call of God is not withdrawn from your life. In other words, God has given you a gifting and he's given you a calling and it's not withdrawn. Just because you woke up and had a bad day, God didn't take it away from you. Just because you went through a tough moment, God's not taking it away from you. Just because you messed up, God's not taking away the gift and the call. It is not withdrawn. But just because it's not withdrawn doesn't mean it doesn't need to be worked. And there's a lot of believers that's got a lot of gifts and a great calling, but you ain't working it. Let me tell you something, I came to preach to you today that when you're willing to work it, when you're willing to work it, if you want it, you'll work it. If you want it, you'll work it. If this is a year that we're to be driven, if this is a year that the word of the Lord was to take ownership, in other words, to take responsibility, then you need to work it. If you want it, you'll work it. Work it. And so Peter's in the boat. And Jesus simply says this, Peter, launch out to the deep and let your nets down for a catch. But master, we've worked hard all night. And we've caught nothing. Has anybody worked hard all year and you feel like I've caught nothing? I want to tell you this again. It's not about working in the moment. It's working for the moment. It's not just about what's going on in the moment. It's preparing yourself for the moment that's to come. But to be a good student of the text, I want to draw our focus to something that's actually in the opening line of this passage. Because, see, I've preached this message so many times before, and, and I've shared it from the perspective that when, 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 when Peter gets into the boat and after Jesus gets done teaching and preaching and, and, and Jesus says, launch out to the deep and let your nets down, with, with the plurality, nets, meaning more than one net, and Peter responds and says, but nevertheless, Lord, at your word, I'll let down my net. I've communicated this, that at, at just a little bit of faith Peter just let down his net but then they had to bring in another boat to fill up what Peter could have had that was totally his man if only Peter would have let down all of his nets he could have had a greater catch and that preaches well and that's great and I believe that with all of my heart but I think sometimes it's easy for us to look as an outsider in and judge a man's faith not knowing what he's been up against because Peter had already been working all night you're telling me he didn't have enough faith The text opens up with this line right here. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats that was belonging to Simon, and I'm speaking in verse 3, and he asked him to put out a little from the shore. You say, what are you trying to tell me this morning, Sean? What I'm trying to tell you is that the fisherman had left, but why is it when he got into Peter's boat, he was able to ask him to launch back out? Clearly, Peter had not left his boat. All the other fishermen had been on the shore washing their nets after a long night. Maybe some caught fish, maybe some didn't. The, 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 the passage doesn't explain that, other than the fact that Peter hadn't caught anything. But Peter was still in his boat. Jesus can't get into a boat with nobody there and ask, can you send me out to, the, to, 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 to teach a little bit? 
And so we actually find this in Matthew 4, verse 18. This is just another angle. Here's what I love about the Bible, is that the Bible is not just about us looking at it from, from one lens. Any good movie is going to have multiple camera angles so that you can grasp and take hold of everything that's taking place in that moment. And so we find this in another angle is that in Matthew chapter 4, verse 18, And Jesus was walking by the sea, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew, casting a net into the sea. Well, hold on a second. I thought we toiled all night and caught nothing. I, I thought we just read that, that the fishermen left to wash their nets, but... Jesus got into a boat that clearly Peter was still there, asked him to launch out. Well, what was Peter still in his boat doing? He was still working. He was still working. He was still working. Jesus rolls up and sees Peter and Andrew, they're in the boat, and they were still working. Why were they working? Because anybody that believes in the outcome, the result, of what you're working towards or what you're working for is willing to continue to put best or put forth your best effort. Can I tell you this morning, work what wakes you. Work what wakes you. Work what wakes you. You say, what are you talking about? Work what gets you passionate. Work what gets you excited. Work what gets you alive. Work what gets you uh, 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 in this place where you can't sleep at night or you're waking up at ungodly hours in the middle of the night. Uh, we, had a, we had a student back in youth that he was graduating high school and he asked me, he said, I don't know what I'm going to do when I graduate from high school. I, you know, I'm trying to figure out what college to go to. I'm trying to figure out, you know, what, what, what my plan is, what my purpose is. Let me help somebody, by the way. Purpose is anything that you can add value to. Anything you can add value to. You want to know what your purpose is? Where do you find yourself most valuable? Because wherever you find yourself most valuable is your ability to understand that you're an answer to that situation. And so... I was speaking with this young man, and, and he said, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I asked him this. I said, what wakes you up early in the morning? Nothing. <laughs> what keeps you up late at night? Everything. <laughs> I said, no, 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 no. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go home. Pray about this. Whatever the thing is that gets you most excited that you cannot stop thinking about is your passion. It's your passion. And he came to me and he said, I know what, I know what it is. I know what it is. I want to help people. I want to help people. I want to help people. I want to help people that are hurting. I want to help people that are sick. I want to help people that are lost. I want to help people. I said, well, there you go. There you go. Now involved in the medical industry. Because he wants to help people. Wants to help people. Why? Because it's what woke him What wakes you up? Let me tell you this. When passion collides with your purpose, you will become productive. When passion collides with your purpose, you will become productive. And dare I say, most people don't work what wakes them. They work what wears them. And we got a lot of worn out people that are not excited because everything's a job and everything's a task. We lose the heart of serving at church because it's just a job. And it's just, no, it's not. 
It's an opportunity to come alive and see people encounter Christ. It's an opportunity for us to come together and believe to see the miracle power of God fall on this place. I want to work what wakes me. I want to see the goodness of God flood this house so that the way that you came is not the way that you're leaving. This is what wakes me. What wakes you? Because when your passion collides with your purpose, you will become productive work. What wakes you? And so Peter, he is in the boat. And now we find out as Jesus gets in his boat and he asks him to launch out a little bit. I believe that Jesus asked Peter for his boat because Peter was the only one that was still in his boat. Jesus asked Peter for his boat because Peter was the only one that was in his boat. You ever heard this term? If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. I'm a willing vessel for you, Lord. Right? Anybody ever said that? I know I've said it. I've prayed it. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. I'm a willing vessel. But here's the, here's the catch to it. God doesn't want a willing vessel only. He wants a working vessel. Many of us were willing, but not many of us were willing to go to work. And so you're sitting here asking God for things, saying, Lord, you can use me. But he's saying, are you willing to use your gift and grind? Because a lot of us, we sit on our gift unwilling, Lord. But he's saying, are you going to go to work and grind with your gift now? See, this is why in Matthew chapter 17, remember when Jesus, he gets cornered about asking about paying taxes, and, and, and Jesus makes that statement, he says, give to Caesars what is Caesars, give to God what is God's, and what happened from there? He said, lest I offend anybody, we're going to pay the taxes, and so what does he do? He assigns Peter to go out and catch a fish, and he says, the first fish that you catch, take the gold coin out of the mouth and pay the taxes. We all remember that story? Isn't it interesting that Jesus asked Peter, he didn't ask Thomas, he didn't ask Judas, he didn't ask James and John who were fishermen, he asked Peter. Why did he ask Peter? Because he wanted someone that was willing to go to work. He wanted somebody that was willing to step up and step out in a moment to catch what was needed. And see, here's the thing, a lot of us, we're going out there saying, but Lord, I'm a willing vessel, but he's saying, are you a working vessel? See, he chose Peter. He didn't even choose James and John to catch the fish with the coin in the mouth because James and John were on the shore washing their nets. Jesus wanted somebody who was willing to go to work. And he said, go out and catch a fish. Someone say one fish. Not a lot of fish. Not a bunch of fish. Not a ton of fish. He said one fish. Let me tell you this morning, all you need is one. All you need is one. All you need is to catch one moment of breakthrough. All you need is to catch one moment. All you need is one. But it's not going to happen unless if you're willing to go to work. Say, I'm going to go to work. Say, I'm going to work it. And he chose Peter because he knew Peter would go up and catch one fish. And, he, and even in that passage, in Matthew 17, he didn't ask him to lay down a net. Because he didn't need a bunch of fish. He said, take the hook. Oh, Lord Jesus, thank you for assigning hooks in our life that we can use to cast. Are you willing to cast your hook? Are you willing to cast your hook and catch what God has for you? Because if you've ever gone, anybody ever gone fishing before? Anybody ever had to take that rod? I had one when I was a kid, one of those little press button rod and reels. And you cast it out. 
and all of Florida's canals that we have to get some shriveled up dirty bass. No, I'm talking about like real deep sea fishing. Anybody ever really gone deep sea fishing? And what do they do? They cast that line out into the water. And then as soon as you get a catch on the fish and you feel that tug, you feel that jolt, you feel that fight begin to take place. And if anybody's caught a big fish, what happens? You begin to go to work. That fish ain't coming so easy. I said, that fish ain't coming so easy. And you're fighting it. And you're fighting it. And you're fighting it. And so as Peter's in this, in this position, he's feeling opposition. And I want to tell you this morning, you want a greater position, you're going to get more opposition that's going to try and fight against you. See, the devil doesn't care about lazy people. The devil is looking at those that are laboring. Oh, this is very befitting for the weekend. God, the devil doesn't care about lazy people. The devil's looking for people that are laboring. The devil doesn't care about quitters. He's looking at conquerors. The devil does not care that you're sitting back. He's looking at those that are trying to engage because he said those are people that are trying to move and shake the kingdom, and I'm not trying to have that. And so Peter, he steps up and he casts this hook out, and he's fighting because he knows that I know how to go to work. He knows how to go to work because he knows the opposition that's found. I love what it says in Matthew 20, right? James and John's mother, they, she comes into the scene, and, 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 and it says this. It's, it's, it's actually comical to me. In Matthew chapter 20, James and John's mother, Mrs. Zebedee, walks in. That sounds like a good name for a cookie company. Try a couple of Zebedees. And so as she steps into the scene, right, what happens? She says that Jesus looks at her and says, what do you want? He didn't say, how may I help you? He didn't say, how was your day? He didn't say, can I assist you with anything? He looked at this woman and he said, what do you want? And she says, well, I'd like to ask that my sons, James and John, can sit at your right and at your left side in your coming kingdom. And what does Jesus say to her? You don't know what you just asked. Do you understand the bitter cup of suffering that they're going to have to drink? A lot of us were asking for things from God, but we haven't been willing to go to work. Can you really stomach what you're going to have to drink and endure? And that's why a lot of believers, they fall away from church because they think that it's just about enduring Sundays. My God, when are we going to have some believers that are willing to go to work? When are we going to have some believers that is going to stop having thin skin? We're thin-skinned and thick-hearted when we should be thick-skinned and thin-hearted. In other words, we should have a tender heart. But we're walking around worrying about what's going on in politics and economy, and, and we're getting all, all, all ruffled up and getting uncomfortable. And then what are we doing? We're sitting on the sideline just making our remarks known online. You got to go to work, man. Why? Because faith without works is dead. And if you're not going to work your faith, if you're not going to allow your faith to be tested, tempted, tried, if you're not going to allow your faith to be worked, you're not going to persevere. And the devil knows that if he can punk you out, you're never going to persevere. Then the devil's not going to make a punk out of me. 
And the devil's not going to best me. And the devil's not going to keep me from my miracle. He's not going to keep me from my purpose. He's not going to keep me from my calling. He's not going to keep me from walking in victory. He's not going to keep me on the shoreline washing my nets. And so Peter is working his net. He's working his net. And Jesus gets into the boat. He teaches. Finish up. He says, launch out into the deep. Master, we've worked hard all night. But you don't think God doesn't know what you've endured? You don't think God doesn't know what you've gone through? You don't think God doesn't know the hardships that you faced? But I thought we just sang, with my God, we never fail. My God's never lost a battle. My faith is in him. My trust is in him. My hope is in him. You don't think he doesn't know what you've gone through? Peter, launch out to the deep. Launch out to the deep. See, here's the thing that I love about this. Is he saying, Peter, it's time to get into position. I want to encourage you. We're getting ready to go into the last quarter of the year very, very, very shortly. It's time to get into position. It's time to get into position. I said it's time to get in position. There are fish that are swimming your way right now. And if you're not in position, you ain't going to catch the miracle. You're not going to catch the blessing. You're not going to take ownership of the promises that God. You better get into position right now. And it's not going to happen when you're standing in the dip, Peter. It's going to be when you launch into the deep. Listen, my daughter, she was taken to this little place called a splash pad. Anybody know what a splash pad is, parents, where your kids go in ankle deep worth of water and they play around? Listen, she was going out there and she had the best time of her life. But if I were to take her out of a splash pad and drop her into the deep, she wouldn't be able to stay head above water because she is still learning how to swim. Some of you are still ankle deep in, in little splash pad water. You're hanging out in the dip. And God is saying, because you haven't worked your faith, you're not going to know how to hang out in the deep. So you can want it all you want, but if you don't work it, you're not going to have it. You got to get out of the dip and get out to the deep. You got to work your faith and prepare yourself for what God wants to do. Because God's not going to release a blessing in your life that you cannot contain. Lest it crushes you. And I've shared this example, but it's absolutely true. You can't walk in with the goal that I want to bench press 135 pounds in the gym when you've never bench pressed 135 pounds in the gym. Because if you get on that bench and you try to lift that weight, that weight will crush you. You might have the desire, you might have the drive, you might have the goal, but until you start with where you are, see, that's the key. Some of you just need to start where you are. You just need to start where you are with your faith. You just need to start where you are with your gift. Stop looking at people that are on the left and the right. Stop looking at people that are on the gram or TikTok. Who cares about any of that mess? Say, Lord, I thank you. I'm a willing vessel, but I'm going to be a working vessel today. I'm going to use what I have. I'm going to use what I have. The woman with a little bit of oil, she used what she had so that she could begin to contain much. Use what you have today. What hook has God placed in your hand? What hook has God placed in your hand? Listen, I'm here to tell you this morning is that God has got an incredible purpose and destiny and plan for your life. But until you're willing to go to work, you're not going to see the fullness of it. You got to get into position. Tell somebody, I got to get into position. You know, I told you not to tell them. I want you to declare it so that now they can hold you accountable. I got to get in position. 
And so Peter, he launches out into the deep to get into position. And I was looking at this passage and I begin to think to myself, when I get into position and I'm willing to go to work, then it's just a matter of time. Can I take a moment and talk about timing? Timing is everything. Have you ever been doing the right thing, but in the wrong time frame? What you're doing is right, but where you're supposed to be is wrong. And some of us, we know we're doing the right thing, but we're doing it in the wrong places. Position is everything. See, when I was growing up, I played 15 years of baseball. And one thing that we were taught was that as a, as a batter, timing is everything. But I can't be in the batter's box trying to take game time swings because I'm not in position. I got to step up to the plate. And I got to be willing to go to work. And what do I do? As I get in position and I'm willing to go to work, it's a matter of time before that bat hits that ball. Timing is everything. And some of us, we want to rush the time. We want to rush the time. We want to rush the time. So the 135 pounds on the bench press begins to crush us. No timing, it's the working of your faith. I move from 45 pounds. I move to 75 pounds. I move to 115 pounds. Why? Because I'm conditioning myself so that to contain that blessing that God has. So timing is everything. There's a season to sow, there's a season to water, and then there's a season to harvest. Timing is everything. And Jesus wants to know, are you willing to be on your time or on his time? And as Peter's in this boat and he launches out into the deep, nevertheless, Lord, at your word, we've worked hard all night, but God, I'm going to trust your word. And as he begins to lean and trust on the word, it's amazing when you begin to trust God's word, how timing begins to come into play. God begins to move in a way that what seemed like five years is now five months. What seems like five months is five weeks. What's five weeks is five days. Because when I'm on supernatural time frame, some of y'all are wondering why is this not working because you're not on supernatural time frame. You're not on the time frame of God's word. But when I get worked up into God's word, now everything begins to come into play and in sync and begins to roll out just the way that God has planned and designed for it. Timing is everything. Now I want to give you one last thought this morning. You getting something out of this today? Because you can't have an a, 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 a incredible, powerful teaching, what we heard these last three weeks on grace, and just put it in your pocket and act like it's not there to be used. Are you still a learner, a student of your gift? Which means you got to work your gift. You got to work the grace, the divine influence that God's placed upon your life to walk in purpose and destiny. And so the story unfolds that as Peter got into position and at the word of the Lord, he lets down his net 
he pulls in this haul. He takes in this massive amount of fish. But you know that this isn't the only fishing story with Peter. There was another time, the last time that's recorded in the Bible, and it's in John 21. And I just want to put our focus and our attention as we come to a close today. In John 21, Jesus, or excuse me, Peter, is back in this boat fishing again. And the Bible says that Jesus is walking on the shore, and after Peter and the disciples caught nothing all night, I love this, this is great, this is Jesus. You fellas caught anything? I feel like that's Jesus just being funny, being Jesus. Hey, fellas, have you caught anything yet? Very well knowing that they haven't. And so Peter, he's now, he's in, he's in the boat. And the Bible says that Jesus said to them in verse 6, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. So they cast the net and they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. There was over 150 large fish that they caught. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it. He put on his outer garment, for he had removed it. He put on his outer garment, for he had removed it. Why is that so important? Because at the end of Luke 5, after they caught the first multitude of fish, Jesus said to Peter, you are no longer going to fish fish, but now it's time for you to fish men. In other words, my calling has shifted in your life that you're no longer responsible for the fish that's in the sea, but now you're responsible for the men that are and the women and the children and, and the lost that are wandering on this earth. It's no longer the net that's in your hand, but the net that's in your mouth. And the net that's in your mouth is the word that when it goes forth, it's going to catch people. It's going to catch people. But watch this. The Bible says right here, for he had removed his outer garment. He had removed it. He put it, but, but he put it back on when he heard it was the Lord. You see, what is so significant about it? Because in John 21, Peter and Jesus at this point have not gotten some things figured out yet. Because at this point, Jesus, he was arrested. Jesus, he was beaten. He was put on a cross. He was put in the grave. Then he was resurrected. He even showed himself in an upper room to disciples. But he didn't have a one-on-one -on -one with Peter. Why is that so important? Because just earlier on as Jesus was going through the most crucial portion of his life, giving his life, being beaten, dying on the cross, giving himself for you, for me, Peter denied him. Not once, not twice, but we know as the Bible says, three times. Peter had denied him. And so we find out in John 21 that the passage opens up and Peter says, I'm going fishing. I'm frustrated. I'm upset. I'm going fishing. I just, I just, I just need to clear my head. Anybody ever get so frustrated? Maybe you made a bad decision. Maybe you messed up. Maybe you disappointed somebody. Maybe you disappointed yourself. Maybe you feel like a failure. Maybe you're going through the crisis of your life and you say, I just need a moment. And Peter just says, I'm going fishing. And he goes back to who he used to be. See, anytime that 
you get disconnected from God, you're going to find yourself going back to who you used to be. And there's many people that are super gifted, talented, with purpose, that they encounter God. God does a great thing in their life, but in a moment, maybe they didn't deny Jesus publicly, but they denied a moment when they were going through something and they feel the guilt and they feel the heaviness and they feel the shame. And so they go back to who they used to be. No longer working and contending for who God's called them to be. And see, we find here that Peter's back in this boat fishing fish, but yet Jesus called him to fish men. And he hadn't had a moment where he was able to come before the Lord and say, Jesus, I'm sorry that I denied you. I'm sorry that all this went down and I wasn't there. See, even Peter had a moment where opposition broke him. Don't you find it interesting that it was Peter that denied Jesus? Of all the men, he had the highest position next to Jesus. And the devil knew opposition will come. I'm going to give him some opposition. And in a moment, in a moment. See, that's the thing. Whenever you're going to greater levels, there's always going to be greater devils. But I want to tell you that even at a greater level doesn't mean that you have to allow the opposition of the enemy to overtake you and overthrow you. That's why it's so important that you know that through Christ you can do all things, that you are more than a conqueror. And so I don't care what season of life that you're in, and I don't care what you're going through, God is still the same yesterday, today, and forever. He says that I will not withdraw the gifts and calling from your life. And what do we find? Peter withdrawed himself. Jesus didn't withdraw. If you're wondering, God, where are you? Ask yourself, did I withdraw from God? Because God didn't withdraw from you this morning. Because Jesus was on the shoreline saying, cast your net on the other side. Some of you need to cast your net on the other side. Some of you, in other words, he was telling Peter, you need to get back into position. Peter, you've fallen out of position from the calling. You've fallen out of position. You need to get back on the other side to your calling. You need to cast your net on the other side. You need to cast your cares back on me. My yoke is easy and my burden is like, cast your cares on me. Stop looking at what was. Get focused and get back in the game. Get your head straight because there's greater things that are ahead. And the moment that they caught the fish in John 21, the Bible says that he took his garment, that he had taken it off. See, whenever we go through something and we feel like we're a failure and we feel ashamed, we feel like we gotta take off, take off our calling, take off our purpose, take it off because God does not love me. Listen, God loves you as you are. Enough not to leave you the way that you are. Don't take off the gifts. Don't, take, don't withdraw from your gifts. Don't withdraw from your calling. And it says this, Peter heard that it was the Lord. In other words, when the word of God entered back into that moment, Peter took that garment, the garment, the garment. See, because fishermen would take off their garments while they would fish, but he wasn't called to catch fish anymore. He was called to catch men, which means he needed to put back on his garment, his garment. He needed to put back on his calling. He needed to gird his loins with the truth of what God's word was for his life. And a lot of us, 
because we feel ashamed, we feel guilty, we feel we messed up, we're taking the truth off of us. That's why Paul says in Ephesians, it's the full armor of God, but gird your loins with truth. Peter began to gird his loins with the truth and the power and the revelation that he was called to be a fisher of men, that his purpose was greater and his purpose still stands and his purpose was still alive. I'm trying to tell you that your purpose still stands. Your purpose is great. Your purpose is still alive. When you begin to gird your loins with the truth and the word that God's a good God, that God loves you, that God cares about you, that God has a purpose for your life and a plan for your life, your promise still stands, your purpose still stands, your miracles still stand, your testimony still stands because God is a good God. Thank you for listening. We trust that what you heard today has encouraged you to live the Abundant Life. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on our website, AbundantLife.tv, or follow us on Instagram at AbundantLife underscore TV and Facebook at Come to Life. And remember, God is a good God. He loves you and he wants to bless you.